Welcome to the Parenting in Uniform podcast. I'm your host, Claudia. I became a mom after 16 years of active duty service. That's when I discovered the unique challenges service members face during pregnancy, postpartum recovery, breastfeeding, and just dealing with military life while balancing families at home. I hope this podcast helps to enlighten senior leaders and new moms alike on parenting while serving our nation. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Today, we're speaking with Dominique, and she is an attorney in the Army. Welcome, Dominique. Hi. Thank you for having me. Sure thing. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your Army background? Sure. I've been in almost 12 years. I was previously a, a AG officer, S1, in the reserves, and then I went AGR for about four years, and then I switched over to being a judge advocate. So what made you want to go on to law school? Actually, I've always wanted to go to law school. It's funny. I was like six years old and I knew that I wanted to be an attorney and the military helped pay for that. So I'm grateful. Yeah, that's a fantastic program. So what do you owe back now to the army? Because they're, they're paying complete, like all of your tuition fees, right? So there's, there's different programs. They do have that one where if you're already prior service, you can become what they call a FLEP. It's funded legal education program. And they will completely pay for your law school and still give you your salary of whatever rank you were. I actually went a different route and I paid for it myself, but I had a 70% scholarship. And then I just applied to switch over, uh, switch branches. Okay. Well, that's fantastic. There's so many cool different opportunities you can do in the military. And that's one that I'm not very familiar with, but I'm glad to hear you were able to do that. And you're also a mother, right? Yes. My daughter is two years old. Okay. And you just recently PCSed and did not have the best PCS experience. Do you want to tell (laughs) us a little bit about that? I did not. I'm currently PCSing uh, to Georgia and my household goods just got here on Monday. Most of it had water damage or mold, and then a lot of it was damaged. But I did learn a lot in this process, and there's different claims that you can do, and you have different timelines. So the regular claim I think that everybody pretty much knows about is the you have like a 180-day window to report your damages, and then you get reimbursed. But there's an inconvenience claim for your essential items and for not having your essential items, and I think that's what a lot of people don't know about, and you have to file that within the seven to 10 day window. So that's for things that you absolutely need right now. So like mattresses, tables, car seats, they even had one for, you can get reimbursed for a TV, a couch, uh, but it's different prices. But for your mattresses and the car seat, you just tell them the type and brand that you had and they'll send you a, overnight you a check. So I'm waiting on my check. <laughs> and then the other things, if you go out and buy it, like dishes, TV, uh, sofa, futon thing, or tables, you send them the receipts and then they'll send you a check. Okay. Yeah. The only time I ever got reimbursed for the actual value of something, like the true value, and I was happy with it, was for an Ikea death that they completely took apart. And of course, you can never put those back together again. I don't know how they managed to take this thing apart either, but because I was able to look it up online, they gave me the full value back. But otherwise, I've had 
like things completely damaged and I'll get like $30 back. Thanks a lot. <laughs> like it costs way more than that to get it repaired. So I guess I'll just have scratch furniture forever, but I am so sorry to hear that. I know like when water damage, I mean, you're not getting that stuff back and so many things are irreplaceable and I'm sure you, I know you're still going through all of the things, but yeah, that's terrible. I'm sorry to hear it. Yep. It's unfortunate. Hopefully the process can get better for, for all of us. So can you tell us a little bit about what you've learned that kind of, I guess you didn't know about when you were still just an AG officer and then you became, you switched over to staff judge advocate. Is there anything in particular that just kind of blew your mind that you'd like to share with us? Yeah, there are some great programs. Before I start, I just want everyone to know that like anything that I say is not a legal advice. It's just, you know, any this information you can find on Google, you can find by looking up your local uh, legal assistance office. Yeah, there's different programs that the legal assistance office offers that, you know, I really wasn't aware. Of course, we all know that they can help or most people know that you can help with like wills, power of attorneys, if you get any type of trouble, hopefully not, but they can help you with, you know, writing rebuttals for Gomars, Article 15s. If you have any issues with like your landlord, they can help contact your landlord either by writing or trying to give them a call. And then there's different benefits. Like if you are in the process of being separated or getting a divorce, you can go to your legal assistance office and a judge advocate can help you determine what your spousal support is going to be or if their old spousal support can help with writing the chain of command of the soldier who's supposed to be paying the spousal support. But just keep in mind that only one spouse can go to that legal assistance office. So we can't see both spouses. So one would have to go to the one Whoever gets there first, basically. And then the other one would have to go to a different office. But they can't actually yeah. do the divorce, right? That goes Correct. to the state. Correct. So we can't, they can't do the divorce, but they can help you with calculating how much spousal support. So, you know, according to regulations, a certain spouse may be responsible for spousal support, the, the military spouse. Uh, will be responsible if they're separated, they move out of the house, things like that. So they can help you calculate how much you would owe until you actually have a divorce decree stating the amount. What about child support and child custody? So same thing. They can help with the, the support aspect of it, but with the child custody, you have to go to the state also. Okay. And so it's not like you're going to get an attorney for free there. You're just going to go. It's just legal advice, really. As in legal assistance cannot represent anyone. Right. You're, you're getting just the assistance part. If you need representation for divorce, child support, or anything else, you will have to find another attorney. But if you're like in trouble, like UCMJ, you can go to trial defense services and you can have an attorney represent you there. Okay. All right. So that's good to know. So if you require an attorney, because yeah, like you said, UCMJ kind of action, then there's, you, it, it, it ends up being uh, like an active duty attorney, right? Yes. And then reservists also have that option too. There's what you call LODs and they have attorneys that are reservists there that can help 
the reservists if they get in any type of trouble. Okay. Do you have any sort of advice? Like what would be your number one piece of advice for military parents? I would say know your regulations. You know, a lot of times, even if I don't know the answer, I may Google army regulation for like that. And it'll, Mm -hmm. it'll start bringing up stuff and just, just reading them and knowing them from, from the beginning when you get pregnant all the way to, you know, whatever may happen in that, whether you get divorced or, or you want to make a will for your, for your husband or spouse, you know, just know the regulations. I think that's the biggest thing. And even if you do get information, just double check it, whether it's, you know, if you join one of the Facebook groups or you have your leadership telling you something, if it doesn't sound right to you, research yourself and have the regulations and also use your legal assistance. That's what they're there for. So you can, you can contact legal assistance and just ask, Hey, what's the regulation? My, my chain of command is telling me I have to go to the field or I have to do an ACFT, but I thought I was still inside the window, you know, of one year, but they're telling me I have to do this. So you can just go to legal assistance and ask them the question. You can ask the question. And if you have the regulation and your leadership is violating that, you can go there and receive assistance also. Okay. And what's the difference then, say, between the legal assistance and going to IG, the inspector general? So there's there's a difference. IG is going to actually do the, the investigation. So if you feel as though I have the regulation and I've told you know my leadership that this is violating a regulation, then you can go to the inspector general and they're going to actually do an investigation. The... Uh, judge advocates, not in legal systems, but a different type of judge advocate who works in administrative law may potentially advise the person who's doing the investigation on certain things throughout the investigation. But the IG is going to be the one who who tries to investigate to find if those claims are valid and then make a determination. Okay. And so if we feel like we're in a situation that requires legal assistance, can you kind of walk us through like how we even get started with that? Yes. So if you're trying to get assistance, it it is based dependent. You can walk in and speak with a paralegal and then they'll schedule you an appointment. They'll tell you what documentations that you need to bring for the appointment. And then if you're a reservist, you can go online for your LOD, put your issue in, your unit information, where you're located, and they'll connect you with an attorney and an LOD in your area. Okay. And where I'm at right now, because of COVID, we have to we have to actually just email them. They won't even take phone calls and they won't take in walk-ins unless you have an appointment. And so it's not as user-friendly. <laughs> and the way you have to find the email address, which is like some really long email address and nothing that anybody could ever remember. You have to go on the garrison page to to find the phone book and look them up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm quite sure there's probably been a lot of issues with COVID and in all the offices on base. And I had one issue recently. So I love that you can get a will, you know, through the military because that literally costs like hundreds of dollars if you were to hire an attorney to do that. And in the military, it's a free service if you're a service member, especially, and I know it might be a little different if you're a reserve or guard, but if you're being mobilized, you know, it's something that you get. And it's part of our, 
SRP process. So if the the soldier readiness processing, if you're about to deploy or mobilize, you know, it's always one of the stations you get all your vaccinations and then you can go and also get your will updated. Uh, But recently I tried to do that because I had to go back to the States TUI and leave my son here in Germany. And the attorney would not see me because I was, I'm using another attorney right now because I'm going through like divorce and custody proceedings. So is that a normal thing to have happen? So legal assistance cannot help you if you're already represented by another attorney, but it's usually for the specific uh, case. So let's just say you are getting divorced, but then you go to legal assistance because you, your unit is making you go to the field and you're pregnant, you pass the date. They will be able to help you with that, but they can't help you with anything relating to the divorce. So more than likely, the reason was the will, you, you have a lot going on with the divorce and custody. And he probably assumed that some of the stuff would overlap. Basically like, you know, you can't say, oh, the house is mine until you decide that in the divorce decree that the house is yours, things like that. And none of it overlapped mm. nothing at all. So that's what drove me insane. <laughs> I was so frustrated by this, but okay. When do you feel like it's necessary to hire an attorney? When are situations when just re- receiving some legal assistance is great or just looking things up on Google and kind of representing ourselves versus when we need to look outside and actually make that investment? I guess it would be like how important it is to you. You know, if you are getting in, if you are in some type of trouble in the military, I think you should hire an attorney or go to TDS. If you're in the process of getting a divorce that is contested, I would say hire an attorney. I think, I think it just, I think it just really depends on how important it is to you. Right. Right. Cause it gets pretty expensive. Right. So can you also represent people outside of uniform now that, I mean, you had to take the bar and everything too? I did, but I cannot since I'm active duty. Okay. All right. That's interesting. Reservists, of course, since they only do one weekend a month, if you're an attorney and and judge advocate as a reservist, then yes, you can represent other clients. Great. So what other advice do you have for us? I honestly think, you know, just using your resources, I think a lot of times we are afraid to go get help, whether it's from legal assistance, IG, congressional, stand up for your rights and know your regulations. And I would be amiss to not mention the Army Mom Life on Facebook. I'm an admin there. We have over 6,000 members and a lot of the leaders in there give very helpful information. I find that the information is very accurate as well. I mean, sometimes people are just asking for advice that's just kind of like like personal, like, hey, should I do A, B, or C kind of thing? Or this just happened. What do you think? And it's not really like clear cut, but people are speaking from experience. You know, you have a lot of senior leaders in there as well, and, and people put a lot of thought into how they respond. It's a very professionally run site. Thank you. We try. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, it's it's amazing. I don't know how we've ever survived without that site. <laughs> yeah. Sergeant <laughs> Nicole Pierce only just started it like just over a year ago too, which is crazy. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about your Army experience. Do you have any deployments? 
I don't have any deployments yet. Like I said, I was reserve up until 2017 when I went on ADOS at USARC. And then after that, I went AGR as an S1. So I was with the Signal Battalion. They deployed a lot. Uh, the companies actually deployed for AGRs. You don't deploy unless the entire battalion deploys. And But I did see you know, the beginning and the end of deployment and was that support element as the S1. And I, I've done, a, I've done a lot throughout my career. I've been XO was an HHC commander. And the, I think the HHC commander taught me a lot because I thought I knew my regulations as an S1, but then you really have to refer back to the regulation before you make a decision when your entire career depends on it. <laughs> right. Right. When you have that command authority, which right. reminds me, you know, Attorneys in the military, it's not just helping soldiers who are in trouble or need some sort of legal advice. A lot of it, too, is advising commanders on what we can and cannot do, especially when we are in an overseas environment, depending on kind of the authorities that we're authorized. Can you talk a little bit to that? I can speak right now as to my, I'm very new judge advocate. So when I was a commander, I did have a amazing brigade judge advocate who I could call at any time, call or text at any time and be like, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? And he would give me the advice. And that's, that's what the judge advocate is there for. That way the commander is certain that they're making the correct decision in accordance with regulation. While I was in school, I did learn that there are a lot of advice a judge advocate can give, but basically it's up to the commander to make the decision. So they can tell you, hey, these are your legal limits, and then it's on the commander to make whatever decision they they deem fit. Okay, right. And one way I remember some judge advocates that we had when overseas was with drone strikes, right? So if we were ready to hit a target before the commander would say, you know, yes, launch the strike, he'd always look at his attorney and the attorney will have already kind of been processing it, looking at what the situation is to make sure that indeed this is legal. We have the legal authority to to strike that target. Right. Yeah. I'm currently reading a book that was recommended by one of my professors called No Legal Objection. And it's, it's really interesting, you know, because we have, we have like, like a moral standard, right. That Mm -hmm. we may think we have, and then there's a legal standard and they might not always align, you know? So it's a really interesting book that teaches you, you know, Basically, you can say no legal objection, which means it's legal for you to do whatever decision you want to do. <laughs> okay. Well, excellent. And, and and it's on the commander. It's not, you know, we're not making the decision. We're just giving the advice. Exactly. Right. Is there anything else you'd like to share with the audience? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think the Army is is growing and adapting to, you know, diversity and equality and equity. And we're, we're moving forward and a lot of changes have been made in the last, you know, 12 months or so. Oh, I know. It's really in favor of women in general as well and families, I would say. Yes. So I what, agree. what did it take, you know, for judge advocates to help make that happen? Did it, was it, did it require a lot of legal reviews as well? Do you know? Yes. That, from what I understand, it did. 
I know that I, I assisted with some of the the white paper proposals for some of the things that were implemented. And it was, it was a long process, but, you know, I'm super excited, especially with the 12 month uh, deferment for deployment. Yes. Because that, that it's really hard for, for mothers and fathers, you know, but to have a baby and to leave your baby at six months and, you know, before that it was even earlier, you know? Oh, I know. It used to be three months and that was just, you know, like, Three, your baby's three months old, deploy. Yes. And I know lots of women who have done that as well. And I have one friend who she kind of had an option of deploy when her son was four months old, in which case she could, it was a six month deployment or wait till he was closer to 10 months old, but then it would have been a 15 month deployment. So she took the one when he was four months old, so it'd be less time. But that was very hard on the family, obviously, because boy was so young. Right. Oh, that's hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hard for her too, right? Because then she came back and you have to, you have to bond again. The little baby yeah. doesn't remember you. <laughs> so sad. Yeah. So what are some of the other things that the recent changes that happened in the last 12, in the last year? You know, the, the ACFT, that's a big change. Give you more time for, you know, to recover. I think I, I was one of the ones, and and that's the thing too. One advice I do have for females: if you get pregnant, you know, listen to your profile. Don't don't abuse being pregnant, but at the same time, don't push yourself just trying to prove that you are, you know, still equal and capable. We we have these uh, regulations and things to help us. I was one of the ones that pushed myself too much. Thank goodness I didn't get injured or anything, but I've heard horror stories of people trying to push themselves too fast. During pregnancy or postpartum? Both. I, you know, I literally ran, uh, up until the day before I had my daughter because I, I just felt like I'm a leader and I can't fail the PT test when I get back. And then, I waited my six weeks, you know, push my, I, I did a, I literally did the army 10 miler two months postpartum. Oh my gosh. Um, just trying to, you know, and it, it was stressful right. and now we have a year. So take that time to recover. Mm-hmm. I would say. Absolutely. Take that time. And I think there's a lot of confusion because we do not receive a profile. Usually once we come off of maternity leave, it's because right. we're covered by regulation. Right. And that's true. I learned, I had to, and I had to learn all of that mm-hmm. when I got pregnant, you know, as right. leaders, a, we have to. Yeah. It's the sort of thing, you know, I had been in the army for 16 years, had already been a company commander and a battalion XO. And I just didn't know a lot of that. I didn't know it wasn't, but I also didn't have very many pregnant soldiers. <laughs> so, right. you know, over the years, fortunately, I hope I took good care of them just out of, you know, concern for them in general, but I'm sure they still push themselves a lot. And I had one soldier in particular who she was an incredibly fast runner and this is at Fort Bragg and she just remained competitive and (laughs) she was in her third trimester and still out running a lot of the guys up and down our Dens Road, which is a road you're not allowed to walk on during PT hours is running only. But, you know, and I think for so many of us, we're just so competitive and like, like yourself, you, we just feel like, well, we need to step up and we're leader positions of leadership. But sometimes too, you have to step back and take care of yourself. And that's part of taking care of your family. Well, right. 
Exactly. Yep. And you take care of yourself. You're you are going to be a better leader. Absolutely. You're not, out, you're not sick. You know. Hmm. Yeah, and even just your men- mental health too. It, it comes down to readiness, and if you as a leader, kind of setting the example and showing other, you know, senior NCOs, other commanders that, hey, postpartum, pregnancy postpartum is a time to not physically push yourself, you know, on a, on a run or lifting weights because your body's already pushing itself. Right. You're, you're growing a human and, and your entire internal anatomy, you know, your pelvis and your ribs and your organs have all completely moved out of place. And it takes a long time to recover from that as well. Yes, it does. I agree. (laughs) Yes. Well, Dominique, I really appreciate you speaking with us today. No, I appreciate. I'm honored. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, I'd say if, if you're ever in doubt and you don't know if you should go and receive some legal advice, do not hesitate to contact the legal assistance office on your, your post or wherever you're located. And it's not something you need to go through your chain of command first. So, you know, the phone number is easy to look up, give them a call or send them an email, make an appointment and it's free. Yep. All that is correct. (laughs) All right. Great. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Thank you. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and share it with someone who can benefit from this information. You can also follow the Parenting in Uniform Facebook page to stay up to date on the latest news related to military parents and families. Thank you for listening. This podcast has no affiliation with the Department of Defense, nor any of the military units or organizations mentioned. This podcast is for information only. Statements and views made by guests are not necessarily those of the host, and no statements should be construed as fact or medical advice.